Hey everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 688. This is being recorded on August 3, 2022. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spruenberg, and tonight's homage to 688 goes out to 688 Attack Sub this evening. That's actually a uh, shot up above from the real 68 Attack oh, Sub. Sure, from yeah. the Sega- the Sega Genesis version, I might add, uh, up above there, I do believe. Now, uh, no, everybody it's just... Sega, no, it's the PC version. You can support the site and podcast distribution by going to patreon.com slash PCPer and become one of our patrons of the PCPer arts. And we will immediately throw it to Laramie, Wyoming, Josh, and Burger of the Week, or Food of the Week, if it's not a burger. Well, you know, it's been it's been kind of disappointing for a burger of the week. It's been uh, it's been kind of grim. Uh, I mean, they've been having you know like the pork wings and actual chicken wings and barchos and Uh-oh. things that are not burgers. And today is no exception. It is a thing that is not a burger. No, this is the Texas Tommy. Now, let me get my progressive lens in the correct place so I can read this out because I'm 50 years old. It's a butterfly ripped dog. So basically, it's cut mostly in half and butterflied out. Got it? Okay. Uh, It has mac and cheese sauce, shredded cheddar, bacon, mustard, and chipotle ketchup, all on a 100% beef hot dog which is rather large, and bun. And when you see the picture, the words don't necessarily do it justice. You got your mustard, you got your chipotle ketchup, you got the bacon on the top, you've got the butterfly fly flayed hot dog on a thick brioche bun. You know, I'm not a big hot dog guy, but this was pretty tasty. And not only that, but it was filling. And the fries were good too. This was all around a good time for only $10.99. I mean, name other things you could do that would be half as fun for $10.99. It's not many. And as Jeremy said, that hot dog really just fits nicely in that box. You almost can't restrain yourself. <laughs> I take it back. You can't. You can't restrain yourself. Let's move to the financial segment of this week's podcast. Josh, you're not done talking yet because we've got to talk about AMD and Intel financials. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about Intel first because they announced first and that kind of set the stage for what would be second quarter announcements. Uh, and it was not great. So Q2 2021, they made 19.6 billion. Q2 2022, they made 15.3 billion down 22%. And that's in gap, not non-gap. Non-gap is less, but for reasons we we you know really don't need to go into. You'd rather use gap figures, but non-gap is an interesting uh, data point, uh, especially when you're dealing with things like acquisitions and whatnot. So their gross margin in Q2 2021 was 57.1%. Their gross margin in Q2 2022 was 36.5%, a drop of 21.6%. The more interesting thing is they actually showed a net loss for the quarter. 
by the tune of a half a billion dollars. Now, Intel's got a lot of money still. They've got a war chest. But this is like the first time in 30 years that they have actually had a negative quarter. This company has been strong, and that's an understatement, for the past 30, 40 years. And to have them have a quarter like this is really unprecedented because they typically are ahead of the game. I mean, they have their ebbs and flows where, you know, they'll they'll see, you know, less profitability, but they still make a profit. I guess they have, you know, a, a $6 billion quarterly dividend on shares. And they may need to really seriously rethink that if uh, if, if they want to stay pretty competitive uh, with, with the Wall Street types of other companies that that do not have a dividend. And that has a, a serious effect on on uh, on their financials. Um, again, they, they don't see losses. They don't see quarterly losses. They think, you know, you may see things when it gets a little tight and they only make one to two billion dollars in net income. But no, it, it it is a variety of factors that have led to this. I think uh, the basis of a lot of it is their manufacturing. Uh, they still have issues, I believe. Uh, they, they don't talk about them much anymore because they're able to get enough product out there that, uh, you know, they can kind of cover it up. But when things and when, when, when demand finally, you know, decreases and they've got to cut prices uh, to be more competitive and, and sell out through what they supply, we're seeing these, these, this massive drop in gross margin. And that's across multiple areas. Um, one, and they didn't talk about it much, but you know that ARC, uh, we have to talk about ARC because it's what we do here. Uh, they're still rolling that out and they're creating chips and they're creating products and they're not selling a whole lot right now that is uh, impacting the second quarter. They're starting to do stuff in, in Q3. Um, I can't remember the name of, of that, you know, partner over in China, um, the box is kind of hilarious with the the not great English on it, um, but yeah, they're 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 rolling that out. That's a major thing. Even though they're only expecting to you know sell maybe four million products in this entire year, uh, that's a drop in the bucket as compared to you know how many CPUs they do and how many you know GPUs uh, Nvidia does and even how many AMD does. So it's they're not expecting much, but that is all. Money going out, very little money coming in. Uh, data center, they're getting hammered by AMD. I mean, badly. Uh, they're a little behind on their releases. The next-gen release stuff that they're looking at is late, and it's going to have a more limited uh, release than they're expecting. And uh, apparently there, there are a few issues there that are concerning. And AMD is just eating their lunch. Well, okay, maybe 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 that's a little exaggerated. But AMD is taking away market share from Intel in an area that is a high high margin product where typically they've had you know, go back 6 years ago Intel essentially was running 99% market share. And now we don't know what the numbers are, but it's looking like AMD is up in between 20 and 25% of the data center market. They've had some huge wins. Uh, I think that what frontier supercomputer, that's a massive one for them in terms of mind share. 
And they just have an extremely scalable, uh, lower power, um, highly connected, dense uh, CPU offerings for, for Workstation now and the enterprise uh, and servers. So yeah, these are areas that, that Intel is, and, and they're shutting down, they're shutting down Optane. Optane, the, the great experiment, which was interesting in many, many ways. It just never took off. They're shutting it down. And I can't remember what the other second area that they're, that they're closing down, but you know, everything was essentially down. The only thing up was uh, really the network and edge group. And then uh, their accelerated computer systems and graphics because they had like no individual sales or very, very few. And now they're actually starting to, you know, get some of the, the Arc Mobile uh, that have been picked up. And so, uh, but that's that's only 186 million uh, that, that they've made in the quarter. So it's... It's not much when when you've got you know fifteen billion uh, in, in overall revenue. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. The client computing group and data center and AI like that was a monstrous loss for them. Not yeah, twenty five percent client really, computing group. Yeah. down. and that's not just necessarily the financial bull. That means people are going elsewhere to buy their servers. And that's got to be a little bit worrying for Intel, who's been happily coasting on the Xeon and the obnoxious market share for forever. But, you know, it looks like AMD and ARM are definitely making inroads uh, and not just, you know, toe in the door. 25% drop is is pretty big. Yeah. And I mean, they've had to uh, they've had to decrease the, the prices on a lot of these because they're just simply not competitive with what AMD has been unleashing. And you know, again, you know, three three years ago, at the Dell conference, people were complaining about not being able to get enough, you know, Intel CPUs, and in the desktop and Xeons were were you know many many months out. If you were to order a system, and and the guy said, "Well, have you considered AMD?" and there was laughter throughout the mm-hmm. the hall, and that is no longer the case. Um, AMD has a solid product. They they have, uh, you know, we got a couple in my workplace that uh, we went to instead of the Intel option because less expensive, more cores, more power efficient. And that's that's really a combination that is hard to beat. And with the way that they do chiplets rather than one large die that, you know, Intel is eventually going to go away from the one large die. And they're supposed to do it later this year. We'll see how well that works. But... Yeah, uh, design is 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 everything in this case, and AMD has executed well over the past uh, four years, five years uh, since they they released Zen to the marketplace. And as we'll see a little bit later on, uh, Intel has a bad quarter. AMD has a relatively good quarter. So on to AMD results uh, a few days later after Intel and and people were really you know considering okay Intel got hammered uh, we know that PCs have slowed down we know that a lot of enterprise spending has also slowed down in this last quarter due to a variety of of factors um, but AMD well they they just announced their most the, the, the largest revenue quarter of, of their entire existence. Uh, they're at 
$6.55 billion, which again is more than they've ever done, even more in Q1, which was like $6.4 billion. So it wasn't a huge jump. But when you consider where the market is and where it's going, they still made more money than the previous quarter. And I mean, when everybody else is, is kind of falling off the map, uh, they've, they've stayed pretty strong. I mean, Qualcomm had a, a decrease in what, you know, was unexpected. And Intel had, of course, their massive decrease, you know, going from 19 billion uh, the year before down to 15. That's, that's a lot of dinero for even for in, Intel. Um, when you compare AMD, their, their Q2 2021 was $3.8 billion. So, I mean, they've, almost doubled it. I mean, it's up 70%. Uh, the big numbers, um, and, and something you can take into account is if you go into non-GAAP, and again, this is a data point, it's it's not something that's kind of set in stone because you've got other things going on and they've had two major uh, additions with the networking group and Z-Links. And that kind of stuff hits the bottom line. So non-GAAP, their net income was $1.7 billion. So, had a $1.7 billion profit with the non-GAAP. But once you start adding in a lot of these charges and things that they've had to do to get these two companies, they still had a profit of $447 million, which for AMD, that's that's pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, their biggest growth was, again, in the data center. Um, it's been pretty fantastic for them. Their, their margin gap, again, this is talking about extra charges going in for, for, for acquisitions and, and, you know, cost of, of stuff that's already in the channel from Z-Links and, and whatnot. Their gross margin was 46%, which is still much higher than what Intel's is right now. Uh, but if you do non-GAAP, it's, it's approximately 54%. So it's going to be interesting to see next quarter. Uh, and we'll see what charges are still being pushed forward from these acquisitions to see where they are in, in terms of, of margins, because that's that's important. Obviously, uh, the, the higher the margins, the, the better your potential profitability. And uh, yeah, AMD and Intel have absolutely switched positions, which, again, is that's unheard of ever, ever, even during Pentium four days. Intel had, and they continue to have good margins. They were not as good as, as you know, like the core two days when, you know, they, they had the better process technology, they had the better design, they had smaller dies, they could do more of them on a, a wafer and they didn't rely on, uh, on uh, uh, what is it, um, FDSOI and, and PDSOI, which were more expensive um, silicon wafers at, at the very basis. So, um yeah, we're in a place where AMT is is shaking it up. Uh, their PC and kind of gaming, they 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 took a hit there, but uh, consoles increased a little bit more, and so that offset some of the graphics cards uh, uh, shortcomings that uh, AMD had. And so, all in all, I mean, they're looking strong, and their mobile is increasing again dramatically as compared to i mean pc's kind of kind of stale form and uh you know intel still has a pretty decent product with the 12 series uh of processors so they're not as competitive as they used to be but 
we're now coming up on a quarter where Zen 4 is going to be released probably at the end of September. Uh, it's not going to have a huge impact on Q3, but it could have a big one. And especially since data center is supposed to be going to Zen 4 and Q4, uh, we, we may just keep seeing AMD just creeping on up there. Not, not the big jumps that we've seen in the last two years, quarter on quarter and year on year, but it looks like their, 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 their trajectory is, is still on the upward plane while Intel has got a lot of issues coming down the road. And I mean, we've got the 13th gen stuff that supposedly is coming out and the next gen Xeons that are having issues. You know, it's, it's this, this, uh, this fall quarters is going to be really interesting to see uh, what actually kind of shakes out and, you know, who's got the better product, better performance, better thermals, better power consumption, and where that all just kind of shakes out. So yeah, congratulations, AMD. You had a great quarter in uh, what is historically a, a uh, challenging time with the way uh, enterprise and, uh, and just, you know, individual uh, mm-hmm. tech uh, buying decisions have gone. Yeah. Their portfolio is increased dramatically across networking and FPGA. And those things are, again, uh, they are data center driven, uh, which, as we well know, the world has an unquenchable thirst for CPU performance across the board. And on well, that note, both companies are going to be giving it to us quite soon. Yeah, no, one of the things that always comes about with uh, financial calls is, you know, some forward-looking statements like AMD mm-hmm. CEO Dr. Lisa Su saying, quote, looking ahead, we're on track to launch our all-new 5-nanometer Ryzen 7000 desktop processors and AM5 platforms later this quarter with leadership performance in gaming and content creation, end quote. We're going to be getting those X670E motherboards. We're going to be mm-hmm. busy this fall looking like five or four only four skews at launch perhaps yeah well it makes sense with this market you mm-hmm. can't do the the a skew at every ten dollars it's, it's just not going to work like it used to all right it is um, it is a little funny to see amd with a 7700 x mm-hmm. hey yeah 700 great gaming chip you know it's it's likely to be a good gaming chip no matter who made it not to be outdone, Intel also has... Well, there's some rumors out there. This is not an, from an earnings call or anything, but someone is uh, an enthousi- enthusiastic citizen. Sounds like a <laughs> very reputable yeah. source. Uh, ES or ECSM official is reporting on Twitter or some social media platform that uh, we're going to be getting Raptor Lake in October... So, I don't know. Clever when girl. The, when does the quarter end? When will when the when should we be expecting AMD seven thousand series? Second half yeah. of September. Okay. So, Intel will be. I don't have any official word, but that's that's where the expectations yeah. are. So theoretically, we could have an entire month between Intel and AMD launches. So when was the 12th generation stuff released from Intel? It wasn't, it was what, a year ago? It was the beginning of this year. It was the very beginning of this year. Wow, what a short-lived product. 
Well, I think they really wanted to get it out before Christmas and just couldn't for, you know, all the reasons that we all are fully conversant with. And so, yeah, I think that sort of made it shorter than they'd like it to have been because you like to launch before Christmas. Interesting point from Gavin Thomas out of the YouTube channel that Dell has only recently released 12th gen. With subpar parts across the freaking entire. Say you. We just talked a week or so ago about one of the first, if not the first laptops with 12th gen and DDR5, the Razer. Uh, Yeah. 15, the Razer Blade 15. The the amount of Dells that my day job has had to return globally is obscene. Seriously, interesting. Oh, it's, and uh, talking with other people uh, that uh, do the uh, HP or Lenovo, yeah, um, there's a huge, uh, uh, this is supposition, I, I can't exactly prove it, and they do warranty replace everything, but it's like the number of times, yeah, we have to replace some other board, it's actually the power rails that are forked on it. It's like, I think they found that they couldn't get normal uh, SMDs and the small components from a reliable place, but they needed to ship product. And well, this dude's selling them. They're kind of cheap, but they're there. Interesting. So chip shortage got them sourcing substandard SMDs. Like, like just everything. Like, cause the motherboard's got a lot of stuff on it. A lot of it is dirt cheap in bulk, but, yeah. When you're shutting down those factories, you've got to source it otherwise, or you got to say to a large indus- or like a, a, an enterprise that, yeah, we can't ship you any laptops. And no one likes to do that. Right. But yeah, like BIOS uh, corruption, motherboards going sour, uh, desktops arriving with the NVMe drive not even screwed in. Uh, yeah, it's been entertaining the last two years. Yeah, some of those mechanical deficiencies are just normal for the you know and massive assembly. Battery life is about eight months now before it starts to balloon. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh, it's been bad. Uh, we're talking fleets of five, six thousand. So I mean, yeah, it's only maybe three to eight percent, but that's noticeable when your fleet is that size. It's it's almost time for that part of the show that everybody waits for. That they know it's coming. They know it's coming. The dogs? Yes. No. Intel art coverage. Well, it's mandatory. Ah, the good old 380. It's been retested over at Igor's lab on a new beta driver, which, of course, was immediately replaced by a different version by the time this article came out. So this was on the 29th of July. Uh, Igor tested version 3220. And since then, 3259 has been released. But let's just look at a couple of results. Uh, you need to read the full article over at Igor's lab. It's a pretty short one. It's only two pages. But the gist of it is that while 720p is not uh, the forte of the A380, then really, why would you want to test GPU-bound scenarios at 720p anyway? It's my question. But if we look at, and that's a one percent improvement with the new driver by the way at 720p still well behind the rx 6400 on the chart but somehow slightly better than the gtx 1650 if we move up to the much more demanding 1920 by 1080 testing suddenly arc a380 with the new driver is basically neck and neck with the rx 6400 it's within a half percent and that represents a 2.4% performance increase 
just from version 1743 of the driver up to version 3220 of the driver. So, I mean, this is not huge. It's single digit increases, obviously. We're talking about 2.4% overall, but it it's better, just not exciting. Obviously. Well, we, I think this- we, we heard, oh, go ahead, Brett. I, I think this really just illustrates the fact that that they have a vast, vast way to go in driver maturity. And there was a recent uh, recent video from Gamers Nexus that really, really illustrated this problem, that they have a, a severe disconnect between uh, the essentially the marker they have laid out on the table to say, we're here, and their actual performance. And they have a uh, not only a credibility gap in their ability to live up to the controls that their driver is offering end users, uh, or clearly their capabilities on delivering optimizations inside their driver. Right. So, well, I mean, we, a lot we've, we've looked at Intel, and I mean, they they have you know a solid driver team, but mm-hmm. they tried to port over um, a lot of their integrated drivers into you know Sark because in in ways you know it's a very similar architecture, just mm-hmm. you know scaled up. However, uh, it didn't work well at all. And so they've been writing this from scratch. So whatever time that they took to try to, you know, modify these other ones and get them to work, and it just wasn't scaling like it was supposed to and working, and it was just more troublesome and more, you know, widgets in there and, and, and you know, hot fixes and everything to get it all to, to do what it needed to do. They just, they took the hit and they started from scratch, which... They should have done it a little earlier, but they needed to do it one way or the other. And they're paying the price because replacement shaders are not cheap uh, in terms of developing them for a, a new game. And again, they're starting from scratch. DX12 stuff works pretty well. Everything pre-DX12 is pretty marginal from what I understand. And that's that's an issue that they will they will take the chunks out bit by bit. So, you know, I was like, how do you eat an elephant? Take one bite at a time. And that's what Intel is having to do. I mean, I, I'm not trying to, you know, do any excuses for them. They're behind the eight ball. They've got a tough road to hoe. They're going to get there. And I don't think, you know, you know, Moore's law is saying, you know, Moore's law is dead is saying that, you know, arc is, is going to be canceled. And I just don't, I don't nope. see that. I could see certain, SKUs being canceled, um, but they've they've invested too much money. They've got manufacturing. These these cards are coming out. The chips are being manufactured. They're going to release them. And this is an area where they see that they've got tremendous amount of growth because, you know, Knightsbridge and all these other, you know, high-performance you know, GPU-looking light, you know, looking uh, products have not made a big impact when, you know, AMD and NVIDIA are, are, are making big strides in the data center. That's where they want to eventually be. And they have to start somewhere. And consumer cards is going to lead to that data center stuff being, um, you know, a, an easier pill to swallow for consumers and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and businesses alike. But yeah, they've... It's going to take a while. They are not going to be leading the pack anytime soon, but they have the resources and the will 
to be able to do this, they just need to carry through, and I think that they will. Uh, it's not going to get canceled. All these people aren't going to be fired. They're not just going to, you know, rely on CPUs because this kind of, of, of compute is not going to die, and they want to be a part of it because it is an ever-growing market. I think it's been way too long since we've had a third horse in the race, so it'll be nice oh, to... Granted. I want... Yeah. It's one of those things where it's it's easy to poke fun because they're behind. They're way behind. And, and isn't it fun to be poking fun of Intel as the third horse? Well, I just, mean, that's not normal, unless it, you want to bring up Larrabee or anything, but... Well, a lot of these uh, developments have been very reminiscent of Larrabee, and... That, of course, ended up being canceled. But it didn't get to the point, I think, that ARC already we're is. Right we, there there yeah. weren't retail no. cards and boxes oh, on the market. They were right. a dream. So it's, it isn't another Larrabee, for sure. But it could be another i740, where it comes out, the performance is underwhelming, and then they eventually decide to sort of pivot using modern language to... They, you know, they shifted that over, and that became their integrated graphics on the motherboards, so it's th- this is taking it's actually th- this long circuitous route from uh, i740 all the way to today because i740 became the 800 series chipset graphics which eventually became processor graphics and ARC is essentially a scaled up version of their CPU graphics so yeah. is this really just I mean if you think I-740 back again? in in 1998 when it was released, they, they could be one of the leaders, Oof. but they, they didn't think that, uh, that was, that was where stuff was going. Games were silly and, you know, fast forward six years and, and NVIDIA is talking GP GPU with the 6,800 series. Uh, ATI is doing the same thing. will eventually become AMD. I mean, that's a very short time span considering, you know, 1998 to 2022, it's good 24 years uh, we're talking about where Intel didn't do much. I mean, yeah, I tried Larrabee. That was a failure because, again, they they relied on stuff like, okay, we're, we've got all these, you know, tiny cores. We're going to add a big vector unit to each x86 CPU core that we've developed, and we're going to somehow network it all in so it all works. And it didn't. It was crap because they needed to reimagine the entire workflow that – but you know, it was it, it's an x eighty six centric world for for Intel, and they finally gotten over that where they can't shoehorn that technology into everything. And uh, I mean, hell, they they got rid of their strong arm stuff ages ago, and now look at what ARM is doing. It just mm-hmm. there were a lot of bad decisions in Intel, and they didn't see very far in the future. And I think that they had you know serious x eighty six blinders on. It's like, hey, we've got this base technology that is ours, that we own, that that we have the best implementations on. We can scale it down to fit into anything. And that's just it's just not true. Plus, uh, Arc doesn't have the advantage of launching with some new bus. The the whole I-740 launch was yeah, around AGP. AGP. So it's... If there was some new exciting Intel exclusive, you have to buy an Intel chipset to get this and look at the performance. That could be interesting. And then, of course, AMD and video have Side, to follow suit. But Sideband address, addressing, man. 
if they'd only put more memory on the cards and not relied on system memory so much with yeah. the 740, it would have been a lot better. And it's, well, I mean, its base performance was Voodoo Graphics level when Voodoo 2 was out. And yeah. that just, it was, it was, it was cheap. They had bad drivers as compared to everybody else. And, <laughs> you know, you had, you had Voodoo 2 versus uh, Reva 128, you know? Yeah. And Reva 128 was, more performant and uh you know had better software support across the board than anything intel had so you didn't have to fight with it well not as much i mean if you had a 440 lx motherboard everything just seemed to run if you had an mvp3 or mvp4 chip pad okay you're right Uh, back when you had to do math to overclock Back and overclocking meant, you know, manually moving jumpers around. Yeah, or uh, getting the pencil out. Oh, yes. That was the second gen overclocking era. These were specifically bought. There's no way that's going to focus on it. But that it is... Might. It might. That's a 6B. A 6B pencil. It is so full of lead that and other graphite or sorry, so full of graphite it will conduct and there's a few there, there's quite a few I, I think this was a pack of six so there's only four left and you kids complain about having to drop back to the bios <laughs> do they Are kids complain about bios eh, these days i'm making making that up i don't think kids even know what computers are anymore Nah, eh, you're probably right haven't haven't all the kids moved to iPads? I don't know how to laugh CPUs anymore either. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Let's Standing. Do some, yeah, six hundred grain. One lap. Do you still have your sheet of glass? Do you have a sheet of glass that you six hundred? So I I, where, I was good trolled. Oh, I think all mine. the good stuff's dead. Oh, fifteen hundred. <laughs> Carry on, Josh. I, I once once trolled a, a friend of mine who wanted to do wet lapping of, of his heat sink, and I'm like, you should try honing oil. And Oh, you, you've told me this before, you evil Yeah, bastard. and so, you know, like three hours <laughs> later of him trying to wet lap with, with honing oil, and he didn't do anything. It, it just, he was so mad at me. But his forearms were, you know, they look like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it feels good, but I just don't feel like I'm doing a whole lot. Right. You're is not. It, is it in? I can't feel anything. Oh, uh, all right. Um, yeah, don't use honing oil in uh, those intimate moments. In wet lapping. No. Oh, uh, speaking God. of intimacy, uh, Sonos, uh, it's a part of a lot of people's lives because it's easy, even if, you know, the quality is. I'm not going to make any controversial statements. Hey, so I've had a, people oh, ask no. me about soundbars, so this it's is interesting. Legit. I didn't know this was even a thing until uh, Creative reached out back in October and said, hey, there's a gaming soundbar that we're coming out with. You want to check it out? And then there was a, a delay of some kind, and we finally got it. And I, I have it here, and it's just weird to me. Like This is a product category. Soundbars mm-hmm. in front of your monitor. But uh, getting back to this uh, Sonos product, which is of course uh, white. Let me let me list some things and see if you can spot what's missing here. Okay. So it's got Ethernet, 
It's got 802.11n. It's got AirPlay 2, Spotify Connect, Tidal Connect, and a Toslink optical connector. That's the end of the list, by the way. Yeah, I see that you mentioned there's no HDMI, but uh, where's the USB 3.5 millimeter audio input? This is supposed to be for a computer? This is for a computer or for uh, underneath a TV. Okay, so it's just your typical... Toss link cable from the back of the TV to the back of the soundbar. Yes, with, with no audio return channel, which is a, almost inexcusable, I think, at this point. I mean, how many motherboards have an unused optical uh, just sitting there? I mean, here's your like, opportunity. I would go 98% of them. All right. Uh, how many <laughs> motherboards even have optical out? I mean, I guess the more premium yes. boards sometimes do. Yeah. But. They do sometimes. Now, if you're looking for something that you've got Sonos speakers already and you've got Spotify or you've got Tidal and you just want to slap her in there and get some Dolby Digital 5.1 or DTS Digital Surround, this actually makes a lot of sense because it, uh, from the, the Ryu Tech Power up there, like, you know, it just immediately meshed into everything, even the multi-room stuff. No problems whatsoever. But, and, and nice touch... Uh, display or a mobile phone uh, control as well but you know honestly it just sort of you did a lot of good things and making it small and easy to use but you're going to be charging me 280 bucks and it's missing some seriously needed features i think at this point so i i don't know like if you've got already got sonos stuff and you've got a very small footprint to be able to throw a soundbar in Maybe it's a good idea. Soundbars obviously dominate the living room. I just uh, had not really thought about using one with a computer before, which, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if your computer has uh, space under it. I usually just pile junk under there. But uh, why not put a speaker? Yeah, I've got, like, USB sticks and bottle openers, mm-hmm. some old watches. My Hey, I have this remote. So oh, no. What's it for? I can take it with me. <laughs> Is it in this chair? Branded remote? No, right. no, this is lodged. Oh, it's for the chair. No, <laughs> Aww. no, I, I kind of okay, want. You remember to the jerk when he lost it's all his life? He's like, "I'm going to take this remote control <laughs> and this chair." <laughs> yes, the jerk. Is that what it's for? Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> is that what it's for? Uh, I respect that. You already did dirty rotten scoundrels tonight, so I, I guess you're on a roll. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just tell. don't know how to feel about this thing. Okay. I mean, let's... we love the Sharkoon. Sharkoon is one of the best names that anyone has ever come up with because it's just so wrong. But then again, so is this case, kind of. This looks familiar. I don't know. I think this is either you love it or you hate it. It's it's a hybrid. Like, it's half sort of open. Yeah. But it's not. It it's looks like me uh, they They... they, they 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 took inspiration from Gundam. Yes, yes. Uh, it's I giving me so. a real it's giving me a real thermal take vibe right now. Actually, it's it's an ATX case. Like they don't put the uh, stoppers on it for anything larger, but at the same time, it's over two foot tall mm. and uh, two foot deep. So it obviously fit an ATX. But at the same time, it's like it makes sense that you get some great cooling. There's a lot of open space in it for air to flow through and cat dander and dog fur and <laughs> kids' hands, which is a little <laughs> disturbing. Uh, 
they went for a, a bunch of adapters for the vertical GPU. So you get anything from like a one to a three slot, you can stand up. The, I, the one thing I really like about it is the PSU. It's isolated way down on the bottom. It gets away from anything else. So it's got pure, uh, un, so you need un- really un- long cables. Uh, oh, you're going to really want. Yeah. The back of it has a lot of space to hide your wires, which is nice. But then there's there, a clear are, panel, right? Uh, yes, or you prop it up against the wall so no yeah. one can see your sins. So I don't know. I think people are either going to love it or hate it. I think it's kind of odd. Mm. Uh, they're they're kind of nice. They, they ship it with uh, a total of five 120 millimeter fans. Uh, obviously, you can fit any radiator you're going to want in there if you want to swap those out. But that's kind of generous to, to ship out five uh, RGB PMW, PWM fans. But then again, I mean, it does run at about 280 euro. Mm. Wow. So Pricey. We'll see what it is over here. Um, you don't That's have like a couple of $170. Ah, thank you, Boris. Yes, he did do some wonderful things. <laughs> Their price didn't he accept. That's the pound, not the euro. <laughs> You're yeah. close. No, no, but- pound is still is still keeping track. Euro is is now dropped below, you know. Oh, has it ninety nine below per dollar? Right yeah. Oh, oh that, that was very A H two hundred. They have a large version. Yeah. I had the micro. It's kind of the same thing. It doesn't look oh, exactly yeah. the same, but you know, it reminded uh, me of this. Has the glass panels it really, on the side. That's airwolf. Really re- you put a couple yeah. of guns on the side <laughs> and the cockpit in there, and yeah. yeah. What I didn't like was these these air intake things. They're just plastic panels. They don't do anything. Jeremy, can you hear the airwolf sound when you look at this? See, under it was just Jan is dead now, unfortunately. He is. He died. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Let's start our... Gaming quick hits with an article about Google Stadia. We haven't talked about that in a while. Apparently, it's uh, not shutting down. Obviously, you don't follow my G Plus because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So somehow I've not been on that recently. They they keep sending me emails. Stadia keeps begging me. Oh, please! You did once did a beta on here. Please, we're giving you free games. I'm like, yeah, no. Um. There's something about the max resolution of 720p on a 1440p monitor that really kind of upsets me. And that the menus cover the game over and I can't even close the menu because that's displayed off screen. So the rumor was that it's shutting down and now the official at Google Stadia Twitter account says, quote, it's Stadia down. is not shutting down. End quote. Well, Stadia well, is shutting you down. Know, you know what? to do when something is failing, right? Let's just pull the oldest trick in the book. Change its name. No. Let's call it Google Stream. There you go. Let's call it what you YouTube. Is you you need to change the 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 terms and put some really fine print in there is like, you mm-hmm. know, if you subscribe, if services are shut down within 30 days, you don't get your money back. And then they offer a sale on Stadia, get a bunch of new sign-ons, get Mm -hmm. some money in, and then shut it down. 
And so, Josh, that sounds vaguely evil. Hmm. It, it's something an MBA would do. Let's Master search. of Business Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Winamp. Speaking of games, yeah, Winamp. They're they have a new version after four years in development. Outstanding. Are they still kicking the llama's ass. All I wanted to talk about was Kazan LimeWire. <laughs> what about Morpheus? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What you about... took that pill, did you? Well, let's talk about Napster because that's oddly related. Oh, okay. It, actually, Napster is a very good one as well. Uh, I sort of wiss, mi- or wiss, I sort of miss the the Winamp days, you know, of, uh, I, I mean, my friends I were downloading MP3s, I guess. <laughs> I literally follow a Twitter account that is just people's Winamp skins that they post or that they've <laughs> dug up because you used to be able to modify the Winamp skins, skins without being caught in the NFT game, which I'll bring up after we talk about this. Well, Jeremy, this is now Windows 11 compatible, so this update is on time Fantastic. and totally on point. Totally it's, on point? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. That's Whatever what I, I said. Totally on it, point. I, well, that's what he I tore meant two things. I meant two things at once, and I got confused yeah. on the way out. <laughs> but yeah, so Winamp, the beloved uh, music player of all of us old fogies, is coming back as an NFT scam. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. The, I, I will read you some of the, the wonderful things from here because they say that uh, you will get the icon. You can buy the original Winamp skin on auction as a one-by-one NFT, after which you own it as much as you own an NFT. And then there will be 20 derivative nft artworks made off of it except if you look it says that this unique collection will also be made out of 1997 derivatives so there's actually going to be 1997 derivatives not one original and 20 others and they talk about oh don't worry 80 percent from the primary sale will go to the winamp foundation oh to be redistributed for charity projects so the one single sale will. However, secondary sales, Winamp will keep 10%. The uh, remaining 80% will go to the reseller and 10% will go to, uh, you know, uh, whoever the creator was. It, it also suggests that uh, if I submitted my art and I wasn't lucky enough to win, and I love the misspelling, if you can bring that up, I submitted my moist art, but was not lucky enough to win. It's on the page you were on, Sebastian. I already closed the tab. Nah, that's too bad, but it really does say I submitted my moist art. History, reopen, close tab. Yeah. Yeah. So rise up, fallen artists. Rise up and take your stance again, for your art will win another day. You keep the copyright and all rights to your art. We only ask you to grant Winamp a worldwide, non-exclusive, non-transferable, royalty-free license to use, copy, and display the art, including on web Winamp websites as an example of your creative contribution. So, yes, you, you totally keep your copyright as mm, we yeah. blast it all over the Real planet. Art, so uh, do not support Winamp coming back. NFT. It's, it's an NFT scam. Mm-hmm. 
That's too bad. It is really too bad. So Winamp is back about as much as uh, 3DFX is back. Or as much as Napster is back. Yeah. Hey, at least Winamp will will still play your HDDs filled with MP3s from the 90s. I did not see anything about that on the website. (laughs) I don't. If you still got a Winamp install, don't upgrade it. Yeah. Mm. It's like your handbrake install. Just don't upgrade it. It's going to be bad. Ooh, I still have handbrake. Yeah, don't upgrade or Audacity. Another one. Don't That's upgrade. That I'm on an old version be... of Audacity too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. old version of Audacity. I mean, you don't really gain anything by uh, upgrading, it and anyway. you lose so much. You lose and yourself. allowing them to steal things from you. So no, thank you. Yeah. That's nice. Now I have some good news this week. Which is? It's not my fault that everyone's going to be depressed. It's Brett's oh, fault. Okay. Oh, you added Wait, this? What? Let's move to our single security story of the week. At our second <laughs> zero days sold by Austrian firm used to hack Windows users, according to Microsoft. So, hmm. And Adobe. Jeremy, Jeremy linked to this. I only echoed it. Oh, okay. So, apparently there is actually a Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center. And it goes by the mystic name, M-S-T-I-C. Is this true? Is this just a gag? I guess our segment is fairly reputable. It almost sounds like a gag. Uh, Apparently, there's Windows and Adobe Zero Days. um, And they're for sale. And they've been out there for uh, some period of time, um, including GitHub. (laughs) Um, So, you know... Well, you did say Microsoft, so I I didn't. I, didn't I don't GitHub have a lot to add come to out and say this is sad. not real. That this there there's been no. Oh, good question. I'm not sure about that. I thought there were yeah, real CVEs. I, I, I saw a thing with the uh, GitLab. You know, like I believe no, there's been is, some denial. I thought yeah. there were CVEs issued against which these is in Egypt, but you know. Let's move to our featured review of the week, which uh, is part of the Be Quiet 20th anniversary celebration. And what better way to celebrate 20 years in the business of making subtle, sophisticated, stealthy products than going rainbow RGB with the new FX line. In fact, you can uh, go to the FX World website. It's actually and find out where there's an exclamation mark at the end of Be Quiet. Except all. Enter our FX world and get excited, exclamation point, or exclamation mark, if you prefer. So Be Quiet, as part of their 20th anniversary, has a new case. They also have a liquid cooler and an air cooler, but I reviewed the case first. It's the Pure Base 500 FX. And uh, as you can see from this picture, it's all about the rainbow RGB, although it doesn't actually Whoa. come with this uh, by default. It does have just a single orange Be Quiet color. Out of the you know, is it a full does... rainbow? It is a full What does rainbow. it mean? What does it mean? Uh, it's so gold. bright, so vivid. It's Double rainbow. Double rainbow. It does, it so does look like it's got some serious airflow, you know, as far as functionality yeah, goes. Yes, so let's get down to the actual nitty-gritty here. Not just, not just the ARGB lighting, because that's... If you remember, there was a case called the 500DX, which we looked at a couple of years ago. 
and it's a high airflow case. They took the pure base 500 basically, and they, they gave it a mesh front. So the temperatures were significantly better in this case. It came with three fans. It had a single front intake fan, a rear exhaust fan, and a fan up top, which was kind of interesting. Like uh, not necessarily your most traditional airflow pattern. You had to remove the top fan to put a rad up there anyway. But uh, the FX, the Pure Base 500 FX, is a DX with different fans in it and a new ARGB and fan hub on the back. So if you look at it, it looks identical to the DX when it's powered off, except you can you can see that ring around the rear fan there, which will be lighted up when it's powered on. But uh, there's the exploded view, so you can see how everything comes apart. There's three screen filters in this thing, top, bottom, front. The top and bottom are easy to access. The front one, you actually have to pop off the front panel, which is that, it's not hard. And then the... Uh, the screen filter is uh, accessible there, has the tempered glass side panel, of course, because it's 2022 and this is a case, therefore it's tempered glass. There's an ARGB control button on the front. That's the one of the big differences between the 500DX and this 500FX, is that uh, you can control the lighting via that button and there is a hub on the back that all the fans and lighting plug into and then you just have a single wire for a PWM header on your motherboard and a single wire for a three-pin ARGB header on your motherboard, and that's it. Well, other than a SATA power for the hub, but that's it. It makes it a lot easier to install a bunch of lighting and fans, and uh, I liked that. And if you hold the button down for three seconds, you get ARGB pass-through from the motherboard. If you don't nice. want to oh, bother with that... That's you interesting. Can, you can just tap nice. it a bunch of times to get the colors you want. But I did pass through, and I was using an uh, ASRock board, so I was using Polychrome Sync, which right. has gotten better. Polychrome as, from ASRock has gotten better yeah, I don't, over. I don't know if it's just years. the ASRock being the issue, or if it was this device. But apparently, there are some devices out there where red and green color channels are swapped. There's actually Ooh. a swap option in the polychrome sync software so i didn't realize this at first and every time i was adjusting i was trying to make it this teal color and it was not teal and then i would try it. i'm like well what is happening so i finally started individually adjusting the channels and realized that green was making it red and red was making it green so hmm. swapped it huh, so, so that's, that's an upgrade that's an upgrade from steve polychronopolis <laughs> yes yes josh it is so <laughs> Anyway, uh, you can achieve lighting effects like this by just tapping the button until you get to the rainbow mode. Or you can pass through from your uh, motherboard header, which I eventually did, and chose a purple color because that's what I did with the 500DX. But anyway, it's uh, it doesn't look like a Be Quiet case. When you're looking at the front of it here, this looks like any number of other cases. I have mixed feelings about this because I thought it was tasteful and, and nice just to have the two vertical lighting strips and nothing behind it. And now that you have lighted fan rings behind it, it's very busy up here. So you can obviously turn off the lighting for just these three front fans, which I think I would do if I use this every day. Just leave those vertical lighting strips and the rear ring. And you can't see it here, but there is a small light strip in the top of the case, just like with the 500TX. So it illuminates your system just a little bit more. But uh, ultimately, this is an enclosure 
that has very, very good performance. If we look at the enclosure temperatures, I tested it with the fans all the way up, we'll talk about noise here in a minute, versus the same components on the open test bed, and I tested the case with the fans set to the normal motherboard profile, which was the performance profile in this case. Temperatures were better than open test bed when you have the fans at 100%, which just makes sense. I've done higher flow case testing before, and you get so much benefit with air-cooled components when you have so much air flowing across that you get better GPU temps, better CPU temps than you would just with the components out in the open. But with a standard fan profile, temps were a little bit higher on the GPU, I think just because this is a compact ATX design and you need a lot of airflow to combat that because the GPU ends up being fairly close to the glass. But uh, CPU temps were slightly enhanced with the tower cooler. I was using a Cooler Master. So it it's going to come down to what components you're using and how much noise you can tolerate because at idle with a normal fan profile, this case was very hard to hear. It was basically below typical room noise. I measured 30.7 dBA, and that's with the sound pressure meter 12 inches away from the front of the case, which is highly unrealistic unless that's where you put your head when you're using your computer. When I moved it up to 100% on the CPU cooler, which is what I did when I tested this before, because I'm using an 11th gen Intel CPU, and it's it, you need all the help you can get with a single fan air cooler. Uh, the noise went up to 36.2 dBA, and that was just coming off of the CPU cooler. There's nothing to really dampen the sound when you have an open front like this. But even at 100%, the case fans only registered 38.4 dBA from, again, 12 inches away from the front of the case. So it's... That's nice. It, it, and yeah, it's not loud. It's tolerable. I mean, if you're running it at 100% and it's under 40 dBA... And obviously the results are what what they are. They're better than an open test bed. So it's one of those high airflow cases that really does work. And huh. it's not terribly loud. These fans were very well behaved. You had to manually push them to 100% to get to that noise level. And here it is with a slightly more tasteful look. Just a single color I chose. And nice. again, I don't know. I don't like the way the rings plus the vertical stripes look. But they were reusing... An existing enclosure. It's it's a good value, I think, just because I think the 500GX is a great case. This is selling right now for $119.90 because it's part of their promotion, their 20th anniversary oh. thing. Everything's discounted up to $30 on the new FX line. Yeah, so this, but it doesn't have I, five and a quarter inch bang. It doesn't. <laughs> Nothing really does hey. except for that case that... Uh, can't look at recently, that fractal case. At, at $149, there might be other alternatives but at 119 this seems like a really good deal if yeah. only for the fans you're getting 320 millimeter fans and a 140 millimeter fan that are quite nice they're quiet they have uh, you know ring lighting if you want to use it so well you can disable it so and you can disable it too if you want to and for 119 dollars this this is a pretty good deal i think no those so. temperatures and that that sound pressure that's pretty good yeah and you found the build, typically Be Quiet makes a, a fairly robust case. They don't tend to use shoddy materials. They Their, their mm -hmm. side panels are very, very rigid and, and the glass is nice. And yeah, it's not going to be as thick fits together. as like one of the, the dark base 
uh, cases. It's a little bit thinner construction in the Pure Base series. They're less expensive, but it's still thick enough to be rigid. The mm -hmm. thing has some weight to it when you pick it up. So mm. again, it's, it's, it's the 500DX. It's got DX. some girth too. Yeah, it's, it's the 500DX with four different fans and a hub, which I is is the key because if you're going to do any kind of lighting i have i have done case reviews where i am daisy chaining argb oh. cables to each other and mm -hmm. then finding fan headers on the motherboard because it doesn't come with anything and using like a three to one pwm splitter for these three front fans and it's it is a much better experience to so plug in one pwm cable plug in one argb cable and you're done so yeah, and you've got that hub behind and you've got one cable that snakes across the front. It makes your cable management look so much nicer, you know, through the glass on the front. I wanted to look at hey. what the, f just real quick before we get to picks of the week. The Fractal Torrent was the best reviewed case pretty much of the year last year. And the Torrent, similar performance, had giant fans, but when they were going, better temperatures than an open test bed. And that one, I think, was over 40 dBA. So if... If this one has the same kind of performance, a couple dBA lower, then this this might be. I mean, this is not the same animal because the the full size torrent. These are two hundreds. Those are yeah. two hundred fans, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are monster fans. Yeah, much and they, they don't case, turn very fast. But I think where where's the uh, navigation here? Let's look at performance testing. Uh, it was the same motherboard, same processor, same CPU cooler. It's just I use a different GPU. Uh, thermals, okay, thermals, open bench. Oh, they were about the same. Thermals at for the CPU anyway were virtually the same as the open bench. I guess they're one degree higher actually. Hmm, interesting. So not quite as good. I don't know. Did I not test it 100%? Okay. Nor, nor, noise levels were uh, 39.1 dBA. That was 18 so inches. louder. 18 louder. inches from the front panel. Oh, and, and you were further away, and okay. it was louder. Oh, what is happening? There's no consistency with the testing here. This is a problem with not doing case reviews more than once a year. I have not done an <laughs> ATX case review since last August. So oh, what's like, the matter? Is the insulation in your attic getting low? I you don't have enough cases up there? I don't even go up there anymore. <laughs> I have a bad knee now. It's one of the joys of getting older and Oh, uh, and taking cases up the stairway. Somebody, I, I, I need to send you some money, and you can send me one of those cases that still has good airflow, good looks, and five and a quarter inch. I don't bays. have any. The only one I have with a five and a quarter inch bay, I built a retro system in. It's a real nice. Toro case with a five and a quarter inch front bay. <sighs> I was jealous when I found out that Kent was going to do the review of those. Like I, I'm, I'm always sending new case review invitations to Kent, and then when I saw that it had five and a quarters, I'm like, why didn't I take this one? Because oh, Kent just asked if Josh wants one of the fractal pop cases. See, it sounds like he does. Get it? No, we'll it. talk about it. Okay, Let's see. Right. Everyone likes their pops. I want to. Mm -hmm. I want to get a pop case and put a five and a quarter inch floppy drive at the back of it. Wait, is that a rap song? Probably. I want to get my pop case, put a five and a quarter inch drive on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brought to you by Josh Tech. Let's move to picks of the week, please. Yay, Josh! Get oh, us started. Thanks. More, more. 
$799 RTX 3080 12 gigs. These things are going fast. MSI has a really good reputation. I like their graphics cards. And, you know, they're fast, overclockable, good cooling. And for $799, it's going to be good. Sure, we've got 4000 series uh, that will be announced in the next couple of months. But from all indications, you're not going to get anything other than the really high end through 2022. And uh, if you want anything other than that, you're going to have to wait till 2023. At least that's what I'm hearing. So if you're really needing a graphics card that will do pretty much everything, this is it. It's got more memory. Yeah, sure. Not as much as 6800 or 6900 XT from AMD. But it's more than a 10 gig 3080, and it's the same price as many 10 gig 3080s. So, yeah, get these while you can because I think that they're essentially been discontinued and there's a fire sale. Jeremy, what is your pick this week? Well, I, and just like my solar powered battery failed me because uh, living in Vancouver, you know, there are earthquakes and tsunamis and forest fires and you know a variety of other reasons to have you know a reason to have a a, a a kit to be able to get the hell out of the house as it's burning collapsing into the sinkhole and being washed over by uh, by a tsunami and so i pulled out my old uh solar powered usb charger and dead as a doornail so i'm like all right need to replace this it's it's probably a good idea and it, honestly for just about everyone it is so i, I looked at a couple of reviews and i found Something that rates a solid four or five on most of the uh, reviews that I saw and wasn't stupidly expensive, which is the X-Dragon foldable solar charger. So first off, it doesn't have a battery in it to fail. It is just a pure solar charger. You can get ones that will do the full fast charging. Uh, this one is about three amps, uh, five volt, but it's not two or three hundred dollars. And the other nice thing about it is uh, that they're tiny. Like, and I yanked it out. So, I mean, it's it's yay big. It weighs barely over a pound, but folds out into a full. How three was that? Panel, three oh, pound floor. Sorry. On the, the back, all Velcroed very nicely. Now, since you don't have a battery there, you have to just direct plug into a USB port on that to charge your device, right? Yeah, and it has three of them. Uh, I, I didn't pay extra for the one that had the USB-C because, well, you can get a USB-A to USB-C adapter. But honestly, it's, power, it's, it, yeah. it doesn't quite support fast charge. Like, it only does 3-amp. But honestly, like, if you want one of the fast charge ones, it will run you north of $200. Which, hey, if you want, go for it. But for just something to throw into your emergency kit, this is stupidly handy. It's tiny. It's very stiff. It's got carabiners. Hold on. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, what? It's, you're talking about its size and stiffness now? Well, of course. I mean, I guess in an emergency. Well, you're throwing it into a bag that you ignore until you actually need it. So you need things to work. How come it's a Galaxy S3? Aren't those like ancient? 
Yeah, and that's an uh, older charging. iPad too. Look at the side bezels. On oh, it. Oh, what a what bunch of crap is this? And I, I will it's say this new. about these. Uh, not to dump on your pick, but if you've ever actually used one of these to charge things out in the bright sun, and I have one, actually, uh, your phone will will get really hot to the point where it will shut off. Well, and it, that's it why you don't charge it directly in the sun. It, it will not charge. <laughs> it won't one of the other things underneath the solar panels. Yeah, that's so yeah, exactly. yeah. Just don't don't do what this picture is showing. Is my point. Don't no, because that's just out stupid. There in the sun. Because one of the other things that they rate these for is how likely is it to melt in Texas? Oh, okay. Uh, which, to be honest, I mean, they're not actually is the hot spot in the U.S. right now, let alone the the planet. That's a rating. But, yeah, that's a rating. Yes. They do is have unreliable power. Is there an acronym, there an acronym for that? Uh, sadly, there isn't. It's just uh, a couple of the websites that I saw. It's like they, they were based out of Texas. I mean, I think there's some survivalist uh, people types down there. But that, some of the solar panels that they did, like they lit, let them out in the sun to charge, and the panels literally melted. That's not something you look for in a solar charger. That That's a, that's a bad thing. But it's easy enough to hide the phone somewhere where it's not going to get uh, melted. So if you don't have one, I mean, it's it's an interesting world right now. I'm not saying you should get one, but you might want to. Excellent. Brett, your pick this week. My pick is, um, from an M.2 perspective, you probably can't tell the difference in general use between your Gen 4 and your Gen 3. I know. I know, I've just said something that might hurt your feelings. So why not just buy a Gen 3 drive for a very good price? Pick up a one terabyte. Why not? Go to Woot soon. $82.99 for a one terabyte M.2 Gen 3 drive. Heck of a deal, even if it's stamped with MSI. It's specs, not the best. There have been a lot of better ones out there, but not bad. And in my opinion, you're probably not going to notice it in day-to-day. And if your motherboard has a lonely M.2 interface, this is your opportunity to get one at well below the $100 a terabyte limit. Pick up one today. Why not get two? You probably have two lonely M.2 and interfaces on your motherboard. <laughs> Stuff That's, them. It's under 10 Well, no, gigabyte. I don't, but... <laughs> It's not uh, a bad deal, no, honestly. It's not, actually, even even I make fun. And to be honest with you, it's actually a, a reasonable deal. The performance is is pretty good, especially for day to day use, game drive, you know, whatever it is you're going to use. A terabyte for eighty three bucks on an M.2 stick is a pretty good deal, even if it is. I'm not sure the pedigree of it. It's an MSI uh, stamped uh, drive. Um, Did. Did uh, you by chance see <clears throat> the crucial soon to be released oh. four terabyte for one hundred and eighty nine bucks? I think yes. You, oh no, oh. two hundred two hundred eighty nine. Two hundred. Uh, but I'm four terabyte for over two. That sounds for, amazing, for, actually. Yeah, because the lowest I've seen is like three hundred eighty nine for a pretty crappy one. This is this is a thirty five hundred three thousand uh, read write. And uh, for you know under three hundred bucks is it's very it's tempting, good. but it's, it's not out good. now. This, 
This is 23 read 18. This is 23 read 18 right. Terabyte only, only a terabyte. But 83 bucks, you know, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal if that's what you're looking for. If that fits your needs. Last week I talked about the freezing issues I was having with the Camlink 4K, and there were some video glitches, and I put a couple notices on during the video before I finally switched input devices, but the issue wasn't really with the Camlink 4K. It turns out there are known issues with video capture with Camlink 4K when you're taking it into either vMix or OBS, and you are sharing the bus with another device. So I found this YouTube video is actually very helpful. I cannot remember the name of the channel. It's Arc AV, I think he's called, out of Singapore. But he had a video where he basically very succinctly goes through a few different steps where you turn off USB selective suspend in Windows. I'm using Windows. And then uh, there's a couple of other things like don't share the bus. And I, I was making the mistake of uh, sharing... The same USB bus with this microphone. Apparently, this microphone and that Camlink 4K don't play well together. So, this is on a different bus now. I turned off Selective Suspend. I don't know which one of those fixed it. But we haven't had any glitching or freezing issues this week, so... Alright, uh, Josh, do you want to give us an outro for this week? Let me uh, center in on you. Okay, I can't do it. Yeah. Do you uh do you actually want to give us an outro then, Josh? Or? All right. We would like to thank you for joining us for this somewhat explicit evening on the PC Perspective Podcast. It's it's been our joy and your pleasure to be here with us in spirit and sometimes on YouTube, Apple and whatever streaming MP3 podcast deliverer of your choice. And as I go, William Shatner, I would like to thank you and join us again for next week. Good night.